the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Napoleon once said, when asked to explain the lack of great statesmen in the world, that to get power, you need to display absolute pettiness. To exercise power, you need to show true greatness. Such pettiness and such greatness are rarely found in one person. I look upon the events of the past weeks, and I've never come so to grips with that quotation. For ladies and gentlemen of this Congress, it pains my soul to tell you that you have brought blood and shame under this great dome. Your leadership has raised the stakes of hate to a level where we can no longer separate the demagogue from the truly inspired. And believe this, there are traitors among us. And I'm not talking about those of you who sided against your party leadership. I'm talking about those of you who were patriots to your party, but traitors to the necessary end result, that of righteousness, the truth. I use from the movie Contender. To explain the lack of great statesmen in the world, to get power, you have to display absolute pettiness, and to exercise power, you have to show true greatness. Apparently, our chosen presidential nominee has either been watching this movie or just understands the object of the game when he got in the race. He demonstrated absolute pettiness to one by, to one, by one take out the opposition. Now that he's all but taken the needed delegates to clinch the nomination, we'll see if he can show us tr- tr- the true greatness we hope he has inside of him that many have doubts about. I, uh, I actually have, uh, I actually have a pretty good, uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty good about it. In the last two weeks, my wife Don and I were on vacation. We were in New York from where we started a uh, nine-day Caribbean cruise, and uh, then a few more days in the Big Apple, and uh, half of them for business at the Mortgage Bankers Conference. But we were in New York, and we, while we were in New York, uh, having our uh, time to screw off and have fun. Um, we, we did make it down to the Trump Tower to have lunch, and we chatted with a few employees and asked some casual questions, and we found out that Trump's employees all think he's a good man, treats his people great, but he is very firm about getting your job done. Kind of reminds me of, uh, of me. Oh, yeah, that's it. But today is not about politics. It's about charity. It's about America. It's about thanking our veterans for putting their lives on the line to ensure what we live to ensure that we live in the greatest country in the world. So before we get before we get dealing with that, first let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located in the city of Marina Valley. Also offices in Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all of your all of your real estate financing needs. If you're interested in getting involved in in some of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate. 
and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, except for you might get a little delay uh, in the next couple hours uh, if you're calling on Saturday morning because we're doing push-ups for charity. But uh, 855-640-2020. If you want to talk, talk with me or one of my guys and you don't want to uh, talk on the phone because you don't want your neighbors at work to hear that you're talking personal stuff at work. Uh, wait till your lunch break. Don't steal time from your boss, especially at that $15 an hour minimum wage for flipping burgers. Take care of those people at the counter at McDonald's, folks. Um, if you want to do that, go on edhoffman.net. Click on Apply Now. Fill in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back from me, and you will hear back from uh, either myself or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury. Alex Rojas, Justin Clark, Randy Sampius, or uh, Eric Marquez, and we will take care of uh, helping you uh, uh, put your, your real estate financing puzzle together. Um, if you hear something you want repeated, you can uh, hear this show repeated on edhoffman.net. Click on Listen to the Main Event, or you can uh, get the podcast on iTunes. Uh, just go to iTunes on your, on your computer, your phone, your, your iPad, your whatever, whatever all the devices that pick up iTunes are. Search Ed Hoffman or search the main event, and you can uh, subscribe for free. Have the uh, show download to your uh, device once a week. Once a week, and you can listen to it in your car or your house or anywhere you want, anytime you want. Um, if you want to follow me at Twitter, I tweet all week about current events. And uh, so if everybody has their, their, the right to their opinion, and I think everybody has the right to mine. And so uh, I tweet about my opinions all week long. So if you don't want to wait till Saturday to hear them, um, follow me at Twitter, at Ed Hoffman. You can also uh, f- uh, search the main event 590 on the Facebook and, f- and do our, see our uh, main event Facebook page and, uh, and read my weekly opinion columns on iebusinessdaily.com, iebusinessdaily.com. Dot com, uh, and you'll see my full list of columns. Columns. Um, this this week we're doing a live broadcast from Wholesale Capital, owned by yours truly, and we're located at two three three two eight Olivewood Plaza, Marino Valley. If you're not doing anything right now, get in your car and come down. Uh, you can meet me. You can meet uh, my uh, my sidekick Scott McAfee. You can meet Joey Jones of the Boot Campaign. Uh, singer Ann and Alec will be here and the rest of my team. Show us how many push-ups you can do in uh, 90 seconds or just make a straight donation. All that goes to support the needs of the wounded veterans. If you can't make it down here, you can still donate. Go to WCCCharities.org or EdHoffman.net. Click on uh, the Push-Ups for Charity, push ups for charity uh, uh, banner and you can go to our donation page. If you can donate $25, donate $25. If you can donate $525, better. Donate five hundred twenty-five dollars, and it goes to a great to a great uh, a great cause. And we're going to have uh, actually Joey Jones is going to be here any minute here, and we're going to talk about that more that uh, that more but that that further. But meanwhile, hey, in the last two weeks, I had a I had a Scott McPhee of Don's Bike sitting in for me, uh, but he uh, had some issues that <laughs> and it disabled him from being able to get behind the mic. And I couldn't do it from remote from uh, from the Caribbean. Uh, Scott, welcome back in front of the mic. Thanks, Ed. It's always uh, more fun than Disneyland being here. Let me tell you. I hope you're feeling better. I feel fine, actually. I feel fine. Yeah. All right. So, and I realize one thing too, as I'm driving over, this is our this is my first live show with you. So if we say something too extreme or inappropriate, we can't go back and edit it out. I know that could be uh, that could be a that could be a really 
great opportunity, or it could be a really uh, we might not be on next week. If we... <laughs> exactly. So, so if you hear something really, really uh, bad on the on the mic from uh, Scott or me this week, uh, you'll know why we're not on anymore. Um, so, uh, so before uh, Joey gets here, I guess we can talk some talk some politics. Yes, so. we can. Well, obviously you've missed out. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since you've been gone. A lot has happened in a couple weeks. Um, I think one of the things that has struck me uh, is that my concerns about Trump being maybe not electable, being maybe that he would lose. I mean, that's my biggest concern was would, would Trump lose against Hillary Clinton? And certainly some of the polls were a little bleak, I would say maybe a month ago. But it's, it's interesting because now that we're a couple months into it, now that it's obvious that Trump is the nominee, um, things are actually looking a lot better. For example, in some of the swing states like Florida, some of the polls show he's actually tied with Hillary Clinton. Pennsylvania, he's tied with Hillary Clinton. Ohio, which is the one that I think kind of blew it for us last time, he's up actually up by three. I think that's pretty encouraging. And uh, yesterday he got the endorsement of the National uh, National Rifle Association. So I yep. think I think we're seeing that uh, after kind of like what you and I said. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go for our go for our nominee, and once the nominee is elected, if it's not yours and it's not mine, it couldn't be both of ours. Because uh, you were a cruise guy and I was. Well, I rotated from uh, from Rick Perry to Scott Walker to Ben Carson to Carly Fiorina. You rotated a lot, Ed. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> they keep they keep taking out my first choice. Right. And uh, and uh, so we uh, but we can't have Hillary Clinton. So no, no, we definitely can't. And actually, support. there's some uh, some interesting national polls that actually show Trump uh, up by three to five points. That's kind of encouraging as well. Yes, it is. So uh, let's stop talking politics okay. now because. Stepping up to the mic, Sergeant Joey Jones of the Boot Campaign. Joey, hey guys, how's it going? Hey, what would what would what would your what would your commanding officer say if you showed up like three minutes late? <laughs> yeah, I think um, a solid eight years of showing up an hour and a half early bought me fifteen well, minutes here and there. We'll cut you some slack. Just, <laughs> no, we're, I'm kidding. We're guys. We have to. We have to. Uh, uh, we have to uh, give each other shots in the ribs. So, uh, again, today is about charity. We're broadcasting live from Wholesale Capital at 23328 Olivewood Plaza in Moreno Valley. Um, if the uh, – you got, you got levels there? Can you hear? Okay, good. If, you got, uh, if, you're, if you're not doing anything, come on down and do some push-ups. We're going to be here till about 2 o'clock today doing push-ups. We're doing push-ups for charity, uh, charity uh, to, uh, to benefit the bootcampaign.org. And uh, it's it's all about helping vets. And it is a beautiful day out here in Moreno Valley today. It is just absolutely gorgeous. I know. Uh, last year we did it, I think, in July or August, and it was hot. I remember sweating a lot doing push-ups last year. I know. We're not going to sweat, and we actually have a, a, a gigantic stage this year with shade on it. Nice. So, uh, so uh, Joey, you ready? You ready to talk, bud? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, you know, don't do radio very often, but uh, I enjoy sitting here watching you guys listen to you go back and forth. Um, and you don't have to stop talking about politics just for just because really? I walked up. Oh, good. <laughs> no, no we, we we decided we were going to talk about charities, and then we we're going to talk to you about some other stuff. But yeah, um, absolutely. But we'll try not, we'll try not to be offensive to anybody while we're talking about what we all agree on that America is a great country there that we're we're free because of guys like you and uh, that that gave of yourselves, gave of your lives, and and parts of your body. Um, to uh, f- to fight for our, our freedom and um, not enough people not enough people appreciate it in my eyes and it's and it's our job to keep educating our kids so they can educate their kids because the schools and our and our government isn't doing it anymore. Yeah, you know, and, and what's so cool about what we're doing here today? Um, in politics can be a part of this. 
people have to be passionate about something. They have to find something they enjoy doing. They have to find something that, uh, even outside of work, that brings purpose and meaning to their life. And, you know, it's my belief it's not the system of government, the, the amount of wealth or the size of our military, but the fact that we have that freedom in this country that makes us so unique and, and makes us withstand the storm when it comes our way, um, whether that be injured on the battlefield or, or you know, your, your family's finances. And so um, a boot campaign with stuff like push-ups for charity, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to remind people that what makes us so unique is, is that we have the ability to be passionate, to make choices, to fail and then pick ourselves back up. And, uh, you know, faith, religion, um, you know, creed, any, nothing stops us in this country. And um, that's really special. And there's men and women who raise their right hand and voluntarily uh, defend that. Not only defend it, but this day and age, take a chance on losing their own life so that people they've never met or maybe doesn't even like them uh, get that opportunity. So for us, it's really simple. There are men and women serving, very few comparatively. And um, they're doing it in a very selfless way. And they're doing it so that we can continue to argue over politics or enjoy a you know breakfast burrito when it's not quite healthy or all these wonderful decisions we make in this country. Um, and so we, we need to be thankful and say, hey, guys, we really appreciate you. Absolutely. And for those of you that, that are thinking about getting in your car, what we're doing today is we're, is we're saying thank you to our, to our veterans, not only by making some donations, but instead of just saying thank you for your service, we're going to live 90 seconds in the, lives of, in the life of a veteran, and we're going to get down and do some push-ups. And it's not a contest, but it's kind of a contest. But... Uh, we're we're all competing because the guys, all the guys that are doing push-ups, we're all competing because we always compete. But it's a way of saying, hey, we appreciate you enough. We're going to live 90 seconds in your life, and believe me, when you're uh, on the stage doing push-ups, 90 seconds is a long time. <laughs> yeah, you know, when we get people out here doing push-ups for this, the concept is really simple. You get down and do push-ups for 90 seconds, and I'm from Georgia, so I say that's about a minute and a half. I think you know, pretty close anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can't count all that well. Um, but uh, literally, you get down for 90 seconds. Those first 30 seconds, you got your adrenaline going, your you know, 30, 40 push-ups. That second 30 seconds, you start to kind of slow down a little bit. But that last 30 seconds, you know, that's when you really realize that, hey, I'm, I'm actually putting some labor into this. It's not easy, uh, but I can do it. And when I get up from doing it, I've done something today. I've done something that showed my support, that wasn't easy, um, that wasn't a click on a cell phone. Um, and then when you do them, you can uh, donate to the cause as well. You can donate a dollar per push-up or, or get someone to donate to your push-ups. And uh, so we're raising money. We're raising awareness. We're having a good time. And when you walk away, hopefully, uh, just like my board at Boot Campaign said, we're, we've awakened the patriot in you. And, um, and you go about your day and, and the rest of your life a little bit more appreciative. And um, if nothing else, you'll get a kick out of a guy like me doing push-ups with no legs and, and two hands that barely work, falling everywhere and trying to be dead and do more than he does, and so it's fun. It's not fair. You way less than me. You only you don't have as much body as me. Well, I skip leg day at the gym, so my <laughs> oh, arms get a little bit stronger. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> Joey, I, I'm amazed by you. I've heard you interviewed on Ed's show several times, and you are definitely one of the people that makes me – it gives me hope for the United States. It gives me hope for America. Sometimes when I'm feeling blue, I can, I can hear about people like you and your story, and I'm just inspired – um, for those of you who haven't heard um, Ed interview you on the air before, if you can give us just maybe briefly what happened to you. You were serving in Afghanistan. Give us just kind of a, an abbreviated version of what actually happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, back in 2009, um, the president ordered 40,000 more troops to Afghanistan to try to squash the uh, Taliban there and, and find bin Laden and bring him to justice. Most of those troops were Marines. 
Um, in these wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, the, the front line of defense isn't two guys shooting at each other. It's these IEDs, these bombs they put in the ground. So there's a high demand for a job called EOD or, or the bomb techs. And there aren't very many of us because you voluntarily opt into it. They can't make you do it. And um, you don't get to do it from the recruiter's office. You have to be in the Marine Corps for a while and prove yourself. So that's the job I did. There were only about 400 of us in the entire Marine Corps. So in 2009, 10, 11, and 12, those four years in Afghanistan, um, you know, we weren't quite prepared for the new way that they were employing these bombs. There weren't enough of us to keep going. And um, eventually you kind of become a victim of statistics. So I had plenty of brothers that lost legs or lost their life, and that's what happened to me in August 6, 2010 in Afghanistan, uh, taking a town full of bad things and bad people. Um, the sixth morning, we got up to clear a, a building. I'd worked about 40 IEDs that week, and, um, and I stepped on one I didn't see. It took both my legs above the knee um, and a few other injuries, including um, messing my arms up a little bit. But, um, you know, all that's to say I'm here, I'm alive, uh, having a great time. I've had one bad day, but just that one, and uh, it's been pretty good ever since. So. Not bad. Not bad if you can get get through uh, 30 years of your life with only one day. Exactly. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, the thing that blows me away is your attitude. And I'm sure that you've had dark moments and moments of anger and frustration and depression. And, and yet, you know, when I hear you speak, you wouldn't know that. I mean, you've got a great attitude. Yeah, for me, I think, uh, just like my outlook on this country, um, you know, I really get so, I guess you say, frustrated when people talk about what dire times we're in. And, and I want to remind them, hey, look, we're not at war with half the Western world and standing in the government cheese line. So it's been worse in even our lifetime or, uh, you know, people that are still alive today. And what I mean by that is for me, you know, I lost my legs. And, and that was a tough road. That was a tough gig. But look at all the things I can still do. I don't know what it's like to, you know, have a terminal illness or cancer or these other things that people deal with. And so I draw inspiration from them, you know. And there's moms and dads out there running their family, dealing with illnesses that, they can, you know, barely keep their food down. And so if I lost my legs and have to learn how to use new ones, hey, not that big a deal. And it's a small price to pay uh, for the freedom that 330 million Americans get to experience and to, and, and to let people know that if you're going to be our enemy, we're going to come after you. Um, so that's how I feel about it. Um, outside of that, when I first got hurt, I gave myself five minutes a day to kind of kick, scream, cuss everybody and, and kick everybody out of the room. And then after that five minutes, I put myself together and kept going. So I think everybody needs a little release, and now it's a positive release, doing things like push-ups for charity and working with boot campaign. Yeah, yeah. and then we're and it's uh, and it's our job. It's our job today, and it's our job every day is to keep keep the 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 other three hundred thirty million people in this country aware of the of the few guys that are out there fighting for us and what it means to us, and the, and in any way we can show our appreciation and and uh, and keep this keep this country great. Yeah, no kidding. I was going to say because we're out, we're doing our thing day day by day. We have no idea of what people like you are doing. You know, half a world away, uh, we're raising our kids. We're going to soccer games and baseball games, and we're, we just don't know. We don't know what's happening, and there's so much going on in the world. And and yeah, this is a unique opportunity, at least for for a lot of us, to say thanks and and, and show our appreciation. And I guess one of the things that that kind of struck me as you're talking about, you gave yourself five minutes a day. Did you do you feel like you got the correct support psychologically, of uh, you know rehab? Do you feel like you got everything you needed? Yeah, I would say I got more than what I needed, and that's the difference maker. Um, I know two guys, and you know reserve their names, but both of them lost all four limbs, two arms, two legs. Their experience after their injury um, was completely different. One found strength through his spouse, and uh, together they conquered all. And the other one, uh, his spouse wasn't around, and they eventually she eventually left. And, um, you know, the first guy within the first year was looking at leaving the hospital. The second guy 
um, this, you know, we're six years later, and he's just getting to a point where he can rehab uh, properly. And both of them are amazing individuals. Both of them have everything it takes to get out of that hospital. But the support around you is the difference maker. I had that support. I had it in a lot of ways. Um, where it wasn't so much in one place, it was better in another. And, um, and so it's not hard when you have people to live for uh, to find the best quality of life and, and not you know, focus on negative things. And that's not a preachy thing. That's just, you know, we all um, are going to experience some type of trial or tribulation. Uh, you know, life's kind of one bad experience from the other, and you've got to find smiles in between. But that's okay. Um, it's still pretty awesome. And, uh, and sometimes it's not you. It's the people around you that you get up every day for. And, uh, and that's a good thing, too. That's what it was for me. Um, I had a little boy, and, uh, and my family was there. And, you know, I had uh, 101 reasons to stay happy and positive. And, uh, you know, I get all the credit, uh, going to war, getting injured, coming back. But it's, not, you know, it's the family members. There are 22 million veterans. There are 60 million family members of veterans uh, who have paid some sort of sacrifice, rather it be, you know, man in the house while the husband or wife was at war uh, or dealing with the, with the invisible injuries when they come back, um, you know, the frustrations and all these things that mount up serving, um, you know, the family members out there, they serve too. And um, so when we do push-ups for charity and the boot campaign, really what we're trying to do is say thanks to them as well. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to remind everybody that we're live at Wholesale Capital today. We're doing, we're doing push-ups for charity. If you want to come down and participate, 23328 Olivewood Plaza in Moreno Valley. We're uh, just south. Of, we're back, our building backs up to the south side of the 60 freeway between Heacock and Pigeon Pass. You'll see lots of people and lots of, uh, lots of signs. Come on out, do some push, do some push-ups, and uh, be a part of a uh, be a part of our uh, our uh, our movement here to help out some of these wounded veterans. And we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that here shortly. Um, um, if you can't if you can't make it out, but you'd like to participate, go to wccharities.org or edhoffman.net. Click on the push-ups for charity link, and you can donate whether it's uh, five dollars, twenty-five dollars, or five hundred twenty-five dollars. Um, Put, uh, give us give us a little uh, support here and uh, be a part of the solution. Uh, how much time we have in first half? Two more minutes. Okay, what can we talk about in two more minutes, Joey? We're going to talk about uh, Boot Campaign. Boot Campaign is, is uh, I got introduced to you through a client who's, uh, who said, hey, I'm, I'm doing some work with this, uh, with this company called the Boot Campaign, and I'd actually been exposed to them um, a couple years earlier at a mortgage conference with uh, uh, four or five... Uh, Four or five women that uh, that were in the mortgage business that were talking about that they'd uh, read Andrew Latre- or uh, uh, Marcus Luttrell's book uh, Lone Survivor, and uh, that you know hey America's at war. They said no, America's at the mall. Our military's at war, and we need to remember those guys. And it struck me, struck me, made the hairs on my arm stand up, and you know made uh, my my eyes start to leak a little bit in some of the stories they told. And uh, a few years later, I, I get introduced to this guy, Joey Jones, and it just, I don't know what it was about you, your attitude, or the boot campaign, but this, this organization is different. We have any time, have any time left to, to work on this? Okay, we got it. So, so when we come back from the break, I want you to, to kind of explain why the boot campaign. Why not one of the other 3,000 other uh, 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 501c3s out there that are raising money for veterans. What does boot campaign do different? Uh, and how did how did you come to realize? Because I know some of the story is you worked with the VA and the 
and the and the people on Capitol Hill, and you made a decision and picked the picked this company. We'll be right back after five minutes of traffic and weather and commercials with uh, Joey Jones, Scott McAfee, and me, Ed Hoffman. Don't go away. Welcome back to part two of the main event. This is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We're broadcasting live from Wholesale Capital at Push Ups for Charity today. If you want to come out and help support our uh, our uh, Push Ups for Charity, uh, supporting the boot campaign, come out to 23328 Olivewood Plaza Drive in Moreno Valley, and let's see how many push ups you can do in 90 seconds and help uh, donate some money. For this great cause, we're on the on the air with uh, with my regular uh, co uh, co pilot uh, Scott McAfee of Don's Bikes, and our special guest Joey Jones from the Boot Campaign. He's live here at our prop at our uh, location in Moreno Valley. It's kind of a ways from your place in Austin, Texas, eh? It was a little bit of a flight out here, but I'll tell you what, the weather's nice. I'm happy to be here. And uh, you're almost ready to buy a house out here, huh? <laughs> I got to change a few state laws first, I think. But I'm happy to vacation and visit. You know what I want to do? Can we switch uh, leadership, government leadership, with uh, with Texas? You can. I tell you what. If you swapped with Austin, uh, you'd get about the same thing. But with the state level, it's much different. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. They, uh, All right. We just we'll drove. give you Governor Brown, and, and you give us your governor, and it'll be fine. Hey, you know what? Governor Perry doesn't have much going on these days. You can have him on loan. I would love. To, I would uh, do that. Pull him out of retirement. I would. I would love to have Governor Perry. I would have loved to have Governor Perry in the White House. Uh, yeah, you know, we supported him actually through Marcus Luttrell, my good friend. And um, you know what? I, his politics and policies are one thing um, that, that I, I support, but his personality, man, he, he just really cares about our veterans. Yes, he does. And, uh, and, he, and when you meet him in person, he's uh, so much – he's got such a such – a, a, something about him. When he's you, genuine. He's, he's very genuine. authentic. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's authentic. There's, he's got something that, that some of these uh, – some of these – Real politicians have that <laughs> yeah. uh, that you yeah. don't that you apparently doesn't come across in a presidential debate. <laughs> no, it doesn't, and that's that's what's funny about it is when you really know him, you know where the little you know the flubs come from because it's not just a full rehearsed speech. You know, it's speaking from the cuff, and you make mistakes when you talk. And so it was it was tough to see him, especially back in 2012 with with a with a stutter there that kind of ended it, but. This well, year is different, you know, and so yeah, not everybody can be as smooth as me and Ed. Right? <laughs> and apparent, and apparent, and apparently we should not worry about st- dumb stuff that people say on a no, debate. No, when not we're at pick- all. When we're picking our president, so <laughs> we'll we'll see how that goes. So uh, before the before the break, uh, Joey, you were going. I was asking you about what makes boot campaign different. Well, it's real simple for me. You know, I recovered in Washington D.C. at Walter Reed. I was one of the first guys, uh, you know, to really get injured and come through during that time. And, and what I mean by that is the, the last guy to lose his legs before me was, you know, six months, a year before me. And by the time I got injured in 2010, it was every day somebody was coming in. We went from 5 to 15 to 50 to 60 uh, amputees or severely wounded in the ward. And so it kind of put me in a, in a leadership role among those guys. And uh, so my own experiences brought me around trying to help those guys and gals out. I really developed a passion for advocacy. Um, and a lot of the other nonprofits were doing something called guilt fundraising. You know, you should be- feel bad because of this and then donate or feel bad and do this. And, I, and that didn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, I, I was celebrating my life and, and these men and women and just wanted to get them through a tough time. And through all that, I found an organization called Boot Campaign. And what was so awesome about it, five ladies started Boot Campaign with no connection to the military. And they started it because they didn't have a connection and they felt patriotic and they wanted to express that 
with a pair of combat boots. And they did it by getting celebrities to strap on combat boots so they could reach their fans and demographic and take some of the politics away and make it part of, you know, culture. It should be popular to support the military. And um, so that's what they did. I came on board in 2011, um, thought it was a phenomenal uh, awareness effort. And through the years, we've turned it into what I believe to be a phenomenal nonprofit. Um, we don't do what the VA, the DOD, or every other nonprofit does on purpose. We fill gaps. We look at the landscape of what our veterans and military need, and we say, what's not being done? What is being left behind? There are dozens of nonprofits that will do a mortgage-free home for a severely wounded warrior, but there aren't many out there that will do up to $20,000 worth of help when a service member that isn't injured you know, gets a lemon for a house or you know, the, the neighbor down the street that's a, that's a veteran lightning strikes and burns half of his house down. It's a little bit harder to find help for those things, and we're there to say, hey, you know what, you raised your right hand, you volunteered. Whether or not you had bad fortune or got injured doesn't have anything to do with that, and, uh, and we want you to know that you're appreciated and here's a helping hand. And uh, so we call it transition, coming from war back home or coming from the military into civilian life. Um, and we help with post-traumatic stress and TBI treatment. We help with family support. We help with a little bit with financial support, housing. Really important to us is career and education transition. There are a lot of blue-collar jobs out there. The VA, um, the GI Bill may pay for four years at a state school, but we'll pay for a welding uh, certificate and something that will put you to work right away, which is what a lot of men and women want to do. So um, we're there to fill gaps and, and uh, provide support where it's needed and someone else isn't doing it. Yeah, I think uh, there's no common sense in some of the some of the student loan stuff out there that, hey, we're, everybody's got to have an education. Everybody doesn't have to have a college degree to make a, a good living in this in this country. Uh, I'm, I'm a college dropout myself, just like... Uh, just like my friend Steve Jobs and <laughs> Bill Gates and you know some of those other guys that dropped out of dropped out of college before they graduated and and they're doing fine and I'm doing fine, um, so um, so I like I like the fact that you guys are are doing that and helping. I know that we have a a veteran here here in town in Moreno Valley that we're working on putting a putting a, a help helping him out who's been uh, who's a, actually a quadriplegic and he served uh, I don't I don't remember how many years. Uh, and honorably discharged, and actually was uh, uh, made to be a quadriplegic in, a, in an auto accident, not VA related. But um, we're putting together uh, the, the home he's living in was foreclosed on four years ago. They're still living in it, and they're trying to trying to put together so we can allow him to stay until I can clean up his credit and uh, and some of the stuff and and get him to buy it. It's a bit rather inexpensive inexpensive. Uh, home but he's been there for and it's been modified for a quadriplegic and i know we're working together with you guys on that uh to help help this veteran out and it's and it's the and it's the stuff that people don't see and it's the and the some of the veterans that come back and the war is over hey i served honorably i get a i get a va loan i get this i get that and but we don't see some of the stuff that they're dealing with that isn't obvious if you hey if you're if you got both your legs and both your arms and you know, and you're not don't have scars on your face, and we don't think that they brought home any scars. But that's not really the truth, is it? No, not at all. And you know, it's not all a sad story, but it's all impactful, and it's all something that I think we should appreciate. Um, you know, if you're an American in this country trying to make a better life for your family, especially since 2008, it's been tough. It's been really tough. Um, think of all of those obstacles, plus you're serving every day, plus there's an entity called the Marine Corps that tells you when to wake up, when to eat, when to sleep where to go that takes you away from all that for eight months, ten months, and then puts you right back into it overnight. Um, and, and I say Marine Corps because that's where I serve, but, you know, all services. 
And um, so these men and women are dealing with frustrations. Sometimes it's a, it's a behavioral or even a mental health issue because it's happened so much and so often that it's developed a problem. But every single one of them are still trying to take care of their family, find, a, find the next run on the ladder, have a fun, happy American life. Uh, none of them are saying, feel sorry for me. And that's not what this is about. Uh, so when we do our stuff at Boot Campaign, we want to provide that support, but we also want to acknowledge that these men and women have been through the toughest of times. They're the salt of the earth. They're the, they're the best of this country, and uh, they don't need a handout. They need a hand up. They need someone to help them while they're getting through this tough time, but they're absolutely going to go on to do amazing things in their civilian life, just like they did in their military life. So we want people to understand that the, you know there's a lot of respect and reverence for what these men and women have done, not a uh, – not, you know – You'll see in the TV shows and things today where a veteran with post-traumatic stress comes back and somehow becomes a bad guy, robbing banks or doing something. And the, the cold, hard truth is that the men and women suffering these invisible wounds, they don't hurt anyone but themselves. Um, and, and that's the biggest problem. You know, we have a suicide epidemic in our veteran community, but we don't have people out becoming you know, thugs and, and just bad people. And uh, so trying to change that rhetoric and get people to truly understand what post-traumatic stress is is really important to us. And, um, and so that's what... One of the things we're focusing on, and um, and you'll meet, you know, you come out here to push ups for charity today. You'll meet myself and a few other guys that uh, probably have every reason in the world to give up, and we chose not to. And that's what your veteran community is. Yeah, we're uh, we've talked a few times about uh, Andrew Botrell, who will be here shortly, uh, who uh, was EOD in the Navy, and 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 uh, one of our guys tagged him as being uh, uh, emotionally invincible. <laughs> Say, you yeah. know, there's, there's nothing, nothing, these, these guys have such a great attitude, you know, when, when they've really, you guys have, have given, you know, you gave up your, both your legs and, and, uh, and uh, parts of, parts of the use of your arms and, and uh, Andrew gave up both his legs and, and his whole left arm and, you know, and have every reason to have, have a, a, an angry, an angry, bad attitude on, uh, and there's just none of that. Joey, I know that um, you said it's been difficult for the last eight years, and I'm trying to think, God, what's 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 been happening over the last eight years that uh, that would make things difficult? Ed, do you have any thoughts as to what's been going on the last eight years specifically? Uh, Joey, I know you mentioned you had a story, uh, perhaps related to. <laughs> I can't think of anything that's going on in the last eight years. Oh uh, well, you had been, a story you know. to do with maybe somebody who's in charge of the country over the last eight years. Well, being in charge of the country, I don't know if that's the same thing as being president these days, but. Nice. Um, Hey, listen, uh, you know, when I was recovering, I told you that I was early on, so I had a leadership position. I started doing something where all these Marines and sailors were getting stitched up and recovering at Bethesda, but then everyone did their prosthetic rehab over at Walter Reed across town. So the soldiers and airmen, from the day they got to the hospital, while they were recovering, they could see people walking around on prosthetics and had something to hope for, but the Marines didn't have that um, because they didn't have any prosthetic rehab on facility on the other side of town. So once you get to a place where you're stitched up and healed, they move you over to Walter Reed to start your prosthetic rehab. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be great if these guys over at Bethesda could see what we're doing? So every Thursday, I would uh, barter and bus up a bunch of amputees that were closer to the end of their recovery, take them to Bethesda, and visit room to room. And that got some notoriety, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, and then eventually the President recognized it by inviting me to the White House for dinner. Um, and for those of you that follow, especially military politics, there's a guy named General Petraeus. Um, that, uh, that, you know, had an outstanding yeah, we've, military we've, career. We've heard of him. And um, so, you know, like Petraeus and McChrystal and Mattis and a, and a bunch of them that have been in a leadership role in this war, they've not always gotten along with President Obama. So every year the president, uh, at least since George W. Bush, if not before, 
holds what's called a combatant commander's dinner, where almost every four-star general in the military, there's a little over 30 of them, comes with their, with their wives or dates and has dinner with the president. Well, before the dinner, all the wives go to cocktail upstairs, and all the men go down and have whiskey and cigars um, somewhere. I'm not sure. So I got invited to this. Up a little yeah, bit yeah. I, you know, I got invited to this as a, as a wounded guy that, that had done something for my fellow wounded. And when I got there, all the wives were upstairs, and then myself, and then General Petraeus. It was the only general that wasn't invited downstairs. And that was Obama kind of showing him who the boss was. Uh, and it was really funny because he was drinking cocktails. You could tell he was bothered by it. And the Army uniform is different than the Marine Corps uniform. So he kept trying to straighten my Eagle Globe and Anchor on my collar, and really what he was doing was making it crooked. So he would talk. He'd tell me a story. He'd turn it, and then as he looked away, I'd turn it back. And then he'd turn it, and I thought, man, this guy's not going to let this rest. And uh, so we go on about the night, you know, and, and I was already kind of cracking up and ended up sitting right beside the president. You know, he's known for being the first one to have a Blackberry. And he kept pulling it out and checking it, and, and now my eyes would drift over there, and I kept thinking, somebody's going to drop out of the ceiling and Mission Impossible me out of here for looking at the president's cell phone, you know. And uh, so I was a little bit nervous, and, and, and I have a fairly decent sense of humor sometimes. And the president's talking. He's talking about Afghanistan, and he, and he goes, well, you know, commanding the table with the conversation, we're talking about Afghanistan. He goes, well, you know, Johnny, if you were back there right now where you were then, uh, you know, what would you do? And he meant, what would you do with the war? Uh, but when you hear the words that come out of his mouth, I took it very literal, and I said, well, sir, I'd step left. And he looked at me, and one of the generals started cracking up, and then they all did. I don't know if he ever got it. And, you know, what I'm saying is when I stepped right, I stepped on an IED. So the only thing I'd do different is step left because, uh, you know, it was a, four, uh, a war we had to fight and, and bad guys we had to take care of. But um, it was funny. It was fun. You know, you don't get in that position if you can't hold a fun conversation. But it was, it was funny that um, uh, there's a difference in personality there for sure. Uh, and, and, the, and the show up and Could have you this be more specific? <laughs> well, uh, some of these politicians, I worked on Capitol Hill, and some of these politicians, uh, y- you can tell they don't turn it off, and you never get to see the actual person. Uh-huh. And so he was on. He was performing and kind of stuck his foot in his mouth, really. And, uh, but uh, I, g- I gave him a bye. I didn't, I didn't give him too much hard time about it. And, uh, but it was interesting to me to see the, the General Petraeus dynamic that – he felt the need to um, to kind of embarrass or show Petraeus among his peers, uh, who was boss, and it's, and I just I never really understood that. Uh, but hey, you know, I got to hang out and uh, and have a good time at the White House. I think uh, I think if uh, General Petraeus is open to it, I think uh, uh, our new president uh, Trump should uh, should reinstate him, reinstate him, and put him back in charge because it seems to me uh, he won the war before. Uh, before we well, before we pulled everybody out of Iraq, and I'll let you comment because I'm not a military guy. <laughs> now I'm a Marine, so I'm I'm partial to a guy named General Mattis, uh, who at the same time had been he and Petraeus have worked over and under one another their whole career in this war, um, kind of the Army and Marine Corps counterparts of one another, and and they both have been incredibly successful. There's a really great um, uh, docu series out there called uh, Generation Kill, which is a scripted program uh, based on a first Marine recon. And General Mattis is portrayed in that. And if you see it, that's how he is. He is the absolute uh, funniest guy. He's never been married, said if he needed a wife, the Marine Corps would have issued him one. Uh, served for 30-some-odd years. Uh, he did the first invasion of the Battle of Fallujah. Every major victory the Marine Corps had in this war, he was a part of. Incredibly smart. I would love, love to see him uh, uh, in a leadership position again. He's retired now, kind of forced retirement for being too vocal. And, uh, and there's a, actually a movement, Mattis 2016. 
Uh, so it would be, uh, I'll tell you what, it would be nice to see him on a ticket one way or another, but I doubt he's interested in that. So the, the, the movement is to get him running, 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 running for, for president. what? Running for president? Yeah. He, would have, uh, he would have the entirety of our military and veteran community to back him, that's for sure. Kind of late, though, don't you think? Uh, well, we're still waiting on a candidate. We've got some people right now. <laughs> right. One thing I do want to ask you, and I try and ask this question to anybody that served overseas, Obviously, we live in dangerous times. We just had an airliner go down. It's suspicious. We don't know exactly what happened. They're just finding apparently human remains and human remains and debris in the ocean. We don't know. I mean, they figured out another way to take down a plane. What What would be your solution if you could articulate that to Iraq, Afghanistan, and the Middle East? If you were in charge right now, what would you do? I think the most important thing the American people need to know are the full politics uh, that are involved. When you talk about Afghanistan specifically, which I know that's not exactly what you ask, um, we have these quadrilateral, they're calling agreements going on. You have U.S. and China in the corner of the room. You have Pakistan and Afghanistan at the table. And they're telling people they're meeting uh, to talk about um, uh, negotiating with the Taliban. But really what they're trying to do is get Afghanistan and Pakistan on the same page. So that region you know, has more than just civil unrest or civil war. Um, it, it's just incredibly unstable. Um, there are socioeconomic and, 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 and world economy issues that, that are there. But we have major players involved in this, but the U.S. seems to uh, be the only ones really concerned. We have China over there with you know, $50 billion in a pipeline, um, and, and then Pakistan playing both sides of the game. Um, you know, there are a lot more good people than bad people in that region. I do believe that. Um, but I think for us, we have to find out and really define what is our interest. What is it that, that, is, that we're at risk? Is it just terrorism? Is it economic? Is it all the above? Uh, we have been a balancing force, not a conquering force, and uh, I don't think we can quit doing that overnight. Uh, but I think we do need to find out, okay, feasibly, what's this country going to do, Afghanistan or Iraq? What kind of government will these people um, stand up and support, or will they? Uh, you know, when we made Afghanistan, we drew an arbitrary, or the Brits drew an arbitrary line down the middle of a mountain range. So there's never going to be an autonomous or, or, or a full sovereign country with an entire autonomous region in the mountains called Pashtun. Um, and so there are things like that that we need to take in consideration. Uh, but first and foremost, when you have something like ISIS uh, running amok, you've got to destroy them. You've got to kill every one of them and show them that the world won't stand for it. And how do we do that? Because I've heard Trump ask this question, and I hear kind of a semi-vague answer. How do we do that? I think it's very disingenuous for uh, people to complain about the president saying we'll be out of that country by 2011, and then at the same time saying things like we're going to fight ISIS but not with ground troops. Uh, you don't choose when you go to war. If you're, a, if you're a benevolent and good people, you don't choose to go to war ever. Your enemy chooses when you go to war. Hopefully you can deter it and even stop it. But if the enemy attacks, you're at war, regardless if you want to be or not. Um, and that's where we are. You know, we, we have an enemy. They're attacking us. And when I say us, I mean the good people of the world to include the U.S. Um, so you can't take anything off the table. You don't jump to a conclusion, but to the very least, you develop a strategy. And so far, our strategy has been, what can we do that costs us the least, that is the most convenient, um, that doesn't get the American people too riled up? You know, when, we, when people say this, oh, the American people are tired of war, you know what? I was tired of war the first day I got there. Being tired of it doesn't alleviate me from my responsibility to defend myself. And I think the people um, that are tired of war probably haven't <laughs> fought it. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe there are veterans that, that come back, have fought two wars, and, and are speaking no, out I'm against about, it. I'm you know, talking but, about the people that are, 
that are protesting why we're yeah. doing things. They're not the ones fighting it. They're just complaining that we're tired of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's important to distinguish between protesting that we're at war or protesting how we got to war and what we're doing about it. I think people should hold our government to a much tighter responsibility when it comes to these decisions. I think we went to war in 2003 incredibly quick, and the American people didn't care because they didn't think it was going to cost them anything. Um, now I think they do. Now I think they understand that it's a much bigger deal. You know, in World War II, we paid for the war in our pocket. In Vietnam, we paid for it with our sons and daughter, or our sons in the draft. In this war, we're just starting to pay some of the consequence with a, with a larger amount of wounded and the economy uh, suffering the way it has with political and, and, and economic unrest. So um, I think that this war, we, we've kind of pulled the, the buy card and said, you know, well, we're not going to really pay for this one. Uh, and, and I think that that's hurt us. So most importantly, I think that the American people need to step up and care, show they care, demand answers, demand responsibility. Uh, and if it takes uh, military action... Not say we're too tired or we don't feel like it. Say, hey, whatever it takes to make us safe. Well, sir, and the war is here. I mean, less than uh, a half hour away, we had a large-scale attack, you know, in San Bernardino. So the war is here. So there's no denying it. Um, and I guess, you know, we, we all just wonder, okay, what do we do? I mean, this is a major cultural uh, battle that we're waging, and it's all over the world. It's all over the world. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the fact is, you know, we are relatively um, safer here than, than anywhere else, but we're not safe. I right. mean, you know, safe is, is an arbitrary word anyway. What we are is we're strong, and we have each other's back. You know, one of the things that makes us special is when something like that happens, we bond together as a community, and we say we won't stand for that. And our government should echo that rhetoric. They, sh they shouldn't be afraid um, to echo such a rhetoric, that we will not stand for someone to impose terrorism here in our house. Um, and, and there are no religious or ethnic um, uh, uh, specificity to, to terrorism. I mean, there are bad people and good people of all types, and we should be able to uh, point out the bad people and deter this from happening uh, without worrying about something like political correctness or, or um, hurt feelings getting in the way. At the end of the day, if you're a good person, you're not going to be offended um, by, by your local or federal government taking action to make you safer. Um, and and I, I don't think that that's what the American people feel. I think that we just, we just have a government right now that's, that's incredibly overly sensitive to things and, and isn't doing, always doing, um, what the American people want done when it comes to keeping us safe. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm, fully, I'm fully prepared when we get on, when Don and I get on a plane and we just did a, a, couple, of, a couple of long plane rides in the last couple of weeks. Um, we don't have any issue at all with... with uh, with you know the going through the security and stuff and the inconvenience and the hassle of it because you know what while they're looking at us they're looking at everybody else and i'm happy hey scan me x-ray my stuff keep <laughs> me safe don't let you know, don't, don't let somebody onto my plane that's gonna gonna hurt us hey listen it, you want to you want to be treated like a terrorist lose your legs fighting them uh you know i go to the airport and it's a circus Half the people at TSA don't know how to use the machines they're doing. They look at me like I have three eyeballs, much less no legs. And I, I ping every machine there from one end to the other. Um, but I know, I know that that's going to happen when I get there. And I'm not offended that because I have prosthetic legs, I'm treated differently. Uh, because I do have the ability or the, or the um, I do have a, a risk of taking something bad onto a plane by nature of these legs. And if they want to check me out and make sure I'm not, that's what I want them to do. I want every other person on that plane to feel safe. Um, so that's part of it, too. And, and I don't get offended by that. I think it's funny most of the time because they don't know what in the hell they're doing. 
Hey, let me uh, let me make sure before we run out of time. Uh, we're live at Wholesale Capital uh, broadcasting today. We're doing push-ups for charity. We're uh, benefiting the boot campaign and uh, this organization that's run by Joey Jones, uh, who's certainly paid a price and uh, and is helping. And instead of uh, whining about it, he's out there helping the other guys that have, that have uh, paid a price. And we're uh, we're out here raising money for them. If you want to participate, come out to two three three two eight Olivewood Plaza Drive. If you missed that, go to edhoffman.net and click on our. Uh, Click on our uh, on the push-ups for charity, and you get our address. Come on out, do some push-ups, make a donation. If you can't, if you can't come out, click the donate now. And if you can donate twenty-five bucks, twenty-five. If you can donate five hundred twenty-five, donate five hundred twenty-five, and help us uh, raise some money for these uh, veterans that uh, to to uh, fill the gaps between what the government does to keep them alive and what the boot campaign helps them get in get their life together. And uh, we're, we're doing a great thing. We're going to do a lot of push-ups. It's going to be a lot of fun. 23328 Olivewood Plaza Drive in Moreno Valley. We're live here. Joey Jones is here. Scott McAfee's here. We've got a whole bunch of veterans. We've got all our wholesale capital crew. We've got a whole bunch of people that are going to do uh, push-ups. We've got food. We've got music. We've got all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a fun day. Make sure you come out. How much time we got left? We have no time. Joey. Thanks for uh, being on our show once again and actually coming out all the way from Texas to be part of our event. Hey, it's my pleasure. I can't wait to do some push-ups. Come on out and join me. We're going to have fun. And, Scott, thanks for co-piloting once again. My pleasure, Ed. It's always fun. And always, uh, and also for filling in with me while Don and I were uh, in the Caribbean. No problem. Folks, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.